You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. This podcast is being brought to you by my inspiring new book titled Courage is a Muscle, Using Heart to Power Your Entrepreneurial Dreams. You can grab your copy today on Amazon. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks so much for tuning in and checking out another hot H.O.T. episode of SOB Style of Business Podcast. This is your host, Keetra, and today I'm here with my wonderful guest, Martin Kaminsky, who is just an excellent CPA, a.k.a. Certified Public Accountant who specializes in working with creatives and different entrepreneurs within the entertainment space. And today he's going to be talking to us about how we can create a values forward business and how we can attract the right types of people and customers to work with. It's all about the energy, folks. So, hey, I'm going to give Martin a minute to drop that introduction and we will get going with this conversation. Martin, what's going on? How are you doing today? Thank you, Keetra. I'm doing well, doing well. It's uh, coming up near the end of the week here. It's been a full week, but we've had, we have just had a chance to do some really great work with our clients and, uh, and our, we had exciting news on our team. Someone on our team just got married this week. So it's been a full week. We've been busy. We've been good. Enjoying the outside weather as much as we can. So yeah, doing really well. Hey, that's what we like to hear. And congratulations to that team member, team member, (laughs) team member uh, on the marriage. I know that's an exciting time. Um, But hey, we are about to have an exciting time as well, because, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to some of the things that you're doing is that you you work with creatives and and specifically like different entertainers and uh, different groups, which my background kind of stems from that as well. So I'm excited to kind of have you on and kind of go back and forth with the stories and also to show other people how to get their accounting in line, especially as an entrepreneur. You know, we can never have too much education when it, when it comes to that. So um, yeah, I will give you a minute if you want to just kind of give us a little background as to your experience or, um, you know, how you got started and we'll, we'll go from there. Sure, sure. All right. I'm going to take you all the way back uh, right. and and give you like the origin story of how I think this all started, which was back in college when I fell in love with both uh, theater and accounting. I ended up double majoring in theater and accounting. I think I was the only person at the whole university with that particular combination. It was pretty oh, wow. different. And at that time, uh, in the infinite wisdom I had in my 20s, uh, I swore that I would never let these two things touch. Like I had my creative and art making and music and theater. I had like that side of my life uh, and I didn't want it to get tainted with any kind of business aspects of that stuff. I just wanted to do it just purely for the art. And then I was really also interested in business, but I didn't want, you know, I hated like the showiness and theatrics of the business world too. So these were going to be two very different parts of my life. And of course I've spent, exactly my entire career right there at the intersection of uh, arts and creativity and the business world. So uh, my uh, journey into setting up this accounting practice, uh, this is now my second firm. Uh, Both of them over the last 15 years, both of them have focused on working with folks in creative and entertainment spaces. Uh, And the way back then, 15 years ago, it was not quite as cool as it is these days to be an accountant focused on working with creative folks. You know, mostly at that time I heard from people like, what, how are you going to work with creative? They they don't have any money. You're never going (laughs) to have a successful business. Like, right. And, and at that time it was just, you know, these were the circles that I ran in, you know, I'm, I'm based in Chicago and I was uh, living in the city. I was out at, you know, every, fashion show, every gallery opening, concerts coming through town and and just meeting people. And so these were the folks who naturally became my clients. Um, And over the last 15 years, you know, I've really come to appreciate both the specific nuances and sort of uh, 
yeah, the unique aspects about these industries, like mm. the you know went publishing royalties in the world of authors, um, music royalties, and the many ways that those get broken up, uh, the lifestyle of folks who are speaking and just traveling on the road constantly. Uh, so there's there are definitely nuances to these industries. Um, but the other thing I've come to appreciate is just how to work with and explain things to folks who you got to acknowledge, like never went to business school, probably may not have even taken a single course that taught them anything about what it's like to be in business for yourself. Uh, and yet we know that so many creative professions, whether you're a photographer or a DJ or a makeup artist or whatever, so many of these professions, the way that people do business is you're going to be in business. You're going to be self-employed. You'll yeah. be in business for yourself. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is when you were just kind of naming off some of the, the different career paths, you know, as an entertainer, you hear stories of, you know, they kind of had it and, and lost it. And, you know, and it all just goes back to like money management and even like, I think like the simplest uh, introductory course, you know, just kind of kind of getting more edu- education on that would save a lot of us who get started. You know, you get a couple of years down the line and you look back and you see all the mistakes and errors. And I think the um, one of the biggest benefits of somebody like yourself is just like the education. You know what I mean? Like the education part. Um, so let me ask you this, because this is a question I, I was thinking about as you were talking and we'll, we're obviously going to go back and, and talk about some of your services. And I know you got some great online courses and stuff like that coming up. But like, what are some of the main, maybe like the, the top two mistakes that you see uh, entrepreneurs make? Those people that are self-employed, like the entertainers that you just mentioned. What are like two of the most yeah. common mistakes? So the first would have to be thinking that it's too small to matter. Mm. thinking that, you know, well, I, I don't know, I just spent a few hundred bucks on this or that. Uh, and what happens when you're self-employed is those deductions, A, like they add up really fast. They add up a lot faster than you think. And so even if it feels like a little extra work to, you know, snap pictures of those receipts or load them into a tool or somehow keep track of what you're spending, they will add up and they count literally dollar for dollar against income you make in other places. It's not the kind of thing like uh, itemized deductions, which some people might be familiar with if you, right. if you yeah. are in, in, into doing that tax return. If you know that, you know, sometimes your charitable contributions will matter. Sometimes they might not. Sometimes medical matters. Sometimes it doesn't, right? This is not like that. When you have work related, specifically business related expenses, those are going to reduce your income literally dollar for dollar. And every, so every, let's say thousand dollars of deductions, that's putting another easily 300, probably $350 back in your pocket. And that's probably worth a little time to, to get that sorted out. So that's number one. And the number two would have to be not paying attention to the income tax consequence mm. that's going to come up for your self-employed income that you're earning, right? So in this case, when folks make money that doesn't have taxes withheld from it, so if it's not a paycheck situation, if you're getting paid on a 1099 or independent contractor or freelancer or self-employed, whatever words you want to use for this, that all mean the same thing. It means someone's paying you dollars with no tax coming out. If that's happening, then there is a day that's going to come where taxes will be due on that. And you might even be aware that, yeah, I'll have to pay federal tax. I'll have to pay state income tax on it. But what a lot of people might not be clocking is that there's an another tax called self-employment tax that is the equivalent of both the employer and the employee parts of Social Security and Medicare. This is how you, as wow. a self-employed person, are going to contribute to those programs. And that's an extra 15%, right? So 15% there, let's say another 15 to the federal, another five to the state. 
now you're talking about 35% of every dollar you, you're bringing in is, is potentially going to taxes. That's a lot wow. you got to set aside. Yeah. And if you're not setting it aside, right, that becomes really hard to come up with all at the end of the year if you haven't been preparing. Wow. So do you, would you, is it safe to say that you would recommend, you know, setting aside at least 30% of whatever that income is, like if you are getting paid dollar for dollar? Yeah. So I give you two numbers, two different percentages, depending on how the folks listening, how much, uh, how active you are in keeping track of these things throughout the year. If you're the kind of person who is actually keeping track of not only how much you bring in, but how much you're spending, then I'll give you the more accurate number, which would be 35% of the bottom line. So 35% of your net profit after taking away all of your related deductions. All right. So you'd set aside 35% of that. But if you don't keep track that actively, or you just want something easier mentally to say like, I don't want to think about calculating that at the end of each month. Just tell me what do I set aside out of each check that comes in, for example. Okay. In that case, I would say it's probably closer to 20%. It would be a good ballpark to start with um, because ultimately you're not going to pay on how much money you took in. What you right. pay for is on how much money you have left after expenses. But if like I said, if you want something easy to do that, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about if you just take 20% out of each check, set it to the side, put it in a, put it in a separate account, a savings account. If you want some people like putting it in a whole different bank, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. don't even have it show up in that when you sign Somewhere, into your yeah. online banking or look on the app, yeah. right? Don't even have it in that list, have it at a different bank that you, you know, that's not connected and you leave it there and just know that come tax time, that's not my money. Exactly. Yeah, it's not not your money. It's Uncle Sam's, right? <laughs> so, that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a great tip. And thanks for sharing that. And I and I want to uh, also discuss because I know it's important. I, I get this. I always hear these questions um, in regards to setting up a, um, you know, the LLC. You have the incorporation and sole proprietors, especially as an independent contractor. Can you explain to us a little bit about how that works when it comes to your uh, accounting, like your business accounting as a um, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So there, there's a few things that are pretty, um, simple, but important differences between these modes of operating that are, it's good to understand, right? Because there are a lot of folks out there shelling out a lot of advice and just saying, you know, telling everybody you got to go set up an LLC or mm -hmm. you may hear yeah. from your friends like, Oh, so-and-so is, is set up as an S corp. Why aren't, why aren't I set up that way? There are a few different considerations when you think about, do I need to set up a legal entity around this thing that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Right. The first is going to be what gives me the best tax structure. And another way to say that is, which of these modes is going to save me the most money at the end of the year on my taxes, right? So that's that's one leg of the stool, right? And it should be, it's something you think about, but it's not the whole story. You're also going to consider who needs to be involved in the ownership of this thing. Wow. Is it just me, 100% me? Am I trying to have a, a situation where three of us own something together? If that's the case then that might steer you to a different choice because some of these modes of business work better for multiple owner situations than others. Another is going to be about uh, sort of brand, I guess, for lack of a better word. But if you want to carry on a business that has a name, that's something other than your name, creating a legal structure around that thing is one way to help solidify your brand, right? Because when you register that in the state, right. now nobody else in the state can start a business with that same name. It doesn't give you nationwide protection yet. That's what trademarks are for. But it at least, you know, reserves that name for you in the state. And it's gonna create a it's gonna create the opportunity for you to 
open up a bank account in that name, right? And right. so that if somebody is paying you uh, for you know the the products or the services you created, you they can write the check to the name of your business, and you don't have that awkward moment where you know they know you as whatever, and then you you know they are about to pay you, and you got to lean over and say, oh, by the way, could you make that check out too? Yeah, <laughs> whatever, right. you know. It, right. There's none of that. They get, you know, they just pay you uh, in the name of your business. So, so those are three different sort of legs of the stool that all make up this decision. Now, for most folks, the step one from, for our recommendations to folks we work with is to at least get a tax ID number for your business. Okay. And you can do that no matter which mode of business you are. You can be a sole proprietor. You can have an LLC set up. Uh, and certainly if you're a corporation, you're going to need this. But that tax ID number is also called an employer identification number, EIN, they use for short. This is something uh, that you can go on the IRS website and answer a few questions and receive instantly as a PDF. At the end of the process, it will right away spit back out at you a PDF with your number and everything there. It's one of the only things that the IRS does <laughs> instantly. Yeah. So, And you can get this right, right away and for free. It costs you nothing. And what it does is it takes one big step toward creating a different identity for your business activities from yourself. And that's a really important principle when we talk to folks about the business owner mindset. One of those big mindset shifts is that there's going to be me, the person, and there's going to be me, the business, the business that I'm operating. And I want there to be separate bank accounts for those things. I want there to be a separate set of records. I need to treat that thing seriously. And like, it's not just a hobby of mine, but this is actually you know, a separate being that has its own identity. So the EIN gives you that. It also does one other, I think, kind of important thing, which is if any of your listeners have ever filled out a a W-9 form where someone is about to pay them and they say, okay, but before I pay you, I need you to fill this out. And then they're asking for your name, your address, your social security number, right? Yeah. If you have a tax ID number set up for your business, you can now use that number instead of your social, right? You don't have to be spreading your social security number all over town to anybody and everybody that's paying you. You can use this number instead and it kind of masks or protects that social uh, a little bit for you. Yeah. So that tax ID number is a, a really important first step. Now, whether you set up an LLC for, you can do that as a one person operation. You can do that if you want to create a partnership. Um, that generally tends to work for folks who want a, a, a legally recognized brand name. They want some liability protection as well, right? So they want to isolate their uh, personal assets away from the business and not expose those to risk. Uh, that tends to work for folks anywhere from, I mean, you could do that even if you're making $3,000 a year, right? Yeah. It, it, if you have help in getting it created for you, the fees to set it up are depending on the state, you know, relatively low at the same way from a hundred to $400, depending what state you're talking about. And for that, you're going to get that insurance policy against, you know, your, your personal assets being seized if the business gets sued. Now, when you get into larger dollar amounts, then there can be strategies, uh, that folks who do what I do can help you put into motion that help cut back on some of that tax bill. And those look like, for example, creating an S corp, uh, or taking your LLC and converting it and and having it be taxed as an S corp, and the because the tax strategies that we're employing cost some money to pull off, it only makes sense to do when the amount of money going through the business is enough to um, save you a decent amount of money, so it covers its own cost basically, and that right, tends yeah. to be where the business is doing, you know, north of 
seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year in bottom line profit. Wow. So there's ways that you can, you know, of course you're you're making money, but you're also finding ways to save your clients money as well uh, throughout the year, which is important. Hmm. I go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. I mean, I generally think that for folks who are thinking about, um, you know, maybe there's folks out there wondering, you know, is it even worth it? Um, getting someone to help do my taxes. And, uh, we don't do tax work for folks who just have a W2 job, right? right if yeah. that's all that's going on is, you know, maybe you and your partner have a couple W2s and an interest statement from your bank, something like that, right? That, but we, we don't do those because there's not a lot of value we can provide you, honestly. Right. Yeah. Uh, the the people we work with are folks who are small business owners. They're self-employed. Maybe they have rental properties that that create some additional income and expenses for them. They have situations where knowing how these things strategically interplay uh, can actually yield some significant benefit. And and I would venture to say that. Uh, there's really nobody that we do work for that's not saving at least whatever their fees are, if not more. I mean, we've tallied it up over the years and we've literally saved our clients millions and millions of dollars in taxes that they didn't need to pay. I mean, we had one client last year that we engaged with um, and just by she was you know, about to bring in a significant amount of money, more than she was used to. She had been operating in a self-employed capacity, just had an LLC set up, and we transitioned her to an S-Corp setup where she now was on payroll out of her own corporation. Um, and that move alone, we ended up saving her $84,000, $84,000 last year. Wow. And that was just one client, one year, and that savings is going to continue for her every year thereafter. So uh, there's big opportunities. The most important thing, I think, is to work with somebody who really understands your business and uh, who who gets the business model. Um, the best way to find those folks tend to be to talk to other people who do what you do or who maybe have businesses that you kind of aspire for your business to be like theirs and find out who they're using. Right. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest risk I see, I think I see with folks who, uh, who might look to get professional help is to just, you know, go to the person down the street or go to the, like whoever my brother uses or, uh, you know, just to take the easiest, quickest right. path yeah. to, you know, anybody that does taxes or, or accounting work. And uh, the danger with that is if folks don't understand what you do, particularly if you're a creative entrepreneur, you will likely get bad advice. And I know that only because in all these years and thousands of clients, I've seen it many, many times where people are literally told by other accountants, no, you can't do this. Yeah. No, that's not allowed. No, you can't write that off. Right. And they're giving that advice just because honestly, they don't understand what is normal or uh, necessary in in the kind of work that you do. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it does make sense. It's worth it to get help from someone who who knows your field. Exactly. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you, you're definitely a, a, breath, a breath of fresh air with that information because, you know, I think sometimes, too, you run across uh, CPAs who are a little bit more old school, you know, and they don't they're not familiar with, like you said, this specific industry and specialization. So it's like, you know, cookie cutter advice. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I've seen and experienced and heard stories myself. <laughs> so I uh, thank you for sharing that. And I want to talk a little bit about your well, I know you just kind of went over the services, but you have some other things that you're working on, specifically uh, a boot camp that you mentioned um, in our previous discussion before we got on the interview and 
I want to talk about that a little bit. And also, Martin, if you could share some, I guess, like how we can go about, first of all, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the boot camp service. And then also for the people who are just kind of intimidated by the whole process. You know, anytime somebody mentions like CPA or accounting or taxes, there's just like this fear of overwhelm, right? Um, if you could just mm-hmm. give like a couple of, you know, steps of advice of how to get started. I know you mentioned just ask around, but maybe somebody is, is looking to, uh, I don't know, try to figure out how to do some, you know, just education and knowledge. Anyway, let me stop rambling. Go ahead and talk about the boot camp and then I'll let you <laughs> expand a little bit more on, uh, on just some words for, for those people who are moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you asking because it does happen. It happens often. We, when we had a client this year who came to us who, uh, was very tentative about it and, you know, was really, I think, um, just kind of coming face to face with their own relationship to money, right? Everybody has a unique relationship to money and, and recognizing what kinds of anxieties they might have about it. And, um, I think again, it's about finding the right fit and you'll, you'll know within one conversation, if you're talking to somebody who, uh, who makes you feel worse about it or who's making you like, who's kind of helping you and, and take you by the hand and make you feel more comfortable. Um, you, you don't need to feel bad. You shouldn't ever feel bad about yourself in the course of doing this. Sometimes I hear stories from people who who come to us for the first time and it makes me feel like out there in the world some of y'all must think that working with an accountant is like going to the dentist. I don't yeah. know. But it's <laughs> right. like they have this it's like painful, it's been stressful for them. I had people who tell me like my old accountant used to make me cry. I would go sit down oh, in their wow. office come tax time and they you know they they would just be yelling at me about I should have done this. I should, you know, right. I'm like, how, who's going to pay somebody to make them cry? Like what? But it doesn't need to be like that. There are people out there and, and I'm definitely not the only one there. There are folks out there who, uh, who are taking a fresh approach to this, who want to help, who want to help you, uh, who are supportive. Um, and, yeah. So one of the ways that we're, we are doing that, uh, because we do have a, a certain profile of client that is, uh, an ideal fit for our services, right? Every doctor has their own toolkit, uh, their own bag of tools that are there to help solve problems. And for us and the particular toolkit we have, we know that the, the clients who end up being the best fit for us are folks in the 300k to million range, mainly folks who are trying to ramp up that curve, right? Who are trying to scale up their creative business up mm, toward that yeah. million dollar mark. And at that point, it really, it can't be just all about you anymore. And so these folks need structure. They need support in understanding, uh, you know, what systems do I have to put into place? Cause it, I can't decide everything anymore. So how do I, build in the systems and structure process, uh, to scale and grow from here. Um, but we also have some, some things we're putting together for folks who are still growing, who are under the 300 K mark. And one of them is a, uh, course is called minding your business. Same name uh, of the book that I published some years back. And it's really an update to that book. Um, and it's, we think of it as like a little mini MBA for our creative business entrepreneurs. Uh, we call it a creative business bootcamp. And so you get a six part, it's a six module course where we cover everything from how to choose the right legal structure, right? So you got like a little taste of that today, um, but we'll go, we'll go way more depth about seven main different categories of legal structure for your activity and what makes the most sense for you, including nonprofits as an option, including all kinds of stuff. We talk about what you need to keep track of, how to keep track of it, like what tools to be using, that kind of thing. Um, We'll talk about tax planning like we did. And beyond talking about it, we give you 
worksheets and tools. So you're going to have tools for uh, planning for taxes. You're going to have tools for answering some really challenging questions, especially for folks in creative fields like, um, how much do I charge for my time? You know, how do I even figure that out? And we're going to give you some tools to figure it out so that when you stand in front of that client and you tell them that you're going to charge two twenty five an hour, that you do that with confidence and with authority and because you know that's what you're worth. Um, so all kinds of good stuff in there. It The course has been recorded. It's getting put up right now. And for the folks listening to your show, we're going to give you a link that you can follow to uh, put your name in and we will give you $200 off the price of this course. So okay. that's uh, an offer for your listeners. So the, so our website, so name of the business is Revel, C-P-A, R-E-V-E-L. And the website is Revel, C-P-A, R-E-V-E-L, C-P-A.com. And then if you go to Revel, C-P-A.com slash C-B-C, which is Creative Business Bootcamp, if you go to Revel.com slash CBC, you will access this page that's not otherwise linked on our site and be able to drop your name in and get access to that discount. Wow. All right. Hey, discounts, we love to hear it. And uh, we definitely appreciate the offer as well. And I'll be sure to make make sure those links are available once the uh, everything airs and stuff. So we appreciate that, Martin. And before we get ready to wrap, I would like for you to offer some words of encouragement to the listeners, aspiring creators, entrepreneurs, all that good stuff on just how to move forward or just anything that has helped you along your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Well, we never, we didn't even get to talk about values yet. And I know, <laughs> well, you know what, what let's, brought us together. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Let's, let's do that. Let's do that though. Cause that's, that's important. I didn't know if you, how pressed you were yeah. uh, for the time. So no, we can, we can do that. So let's, I'll tell you what, let's talk about values first and then we'll, we'll get into those words of encouragement. You've already dropped a lot of gems yeah. today anyways. So we'll just continue with that. We'll continue with that. Okay. One, one little sidestep into values and then, then we can wrap up. So, um, so one of the, one of the real gifts, I think that any of us who have the privilege of starting our own businesses, uh, one of the gifts we get is to create a world a little, a little world that, that we have some, uh, say in how it operates, right? We are all out here in the streets operating in a real world that we had, we don't always have a lot of control over, right? But when, when you create something, when you give life to a business that never existed before that you call your own, you have the opportunity to, uh, and and you might also say the responsibility to kind of come up with the rules by which we play here. Mm. Like this is how we do things in this business. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things I always talk about when we talk about values is that in our company, for example, we don't call them values. We don't talk about them as values. We talk about them as behaviors. So we we don't have core values. We have core behaviors. And the reason is when you think about values, it's very difficult to objectively determine if the people around you are valuing something in a moment or not. Right. So if you think about like, okay, we just got our team together for a meeting uh, and we were all talking about these important things. And then, you know, you 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 think about a moment, you look back, you say, I don't know how that meeting go. I don't know what like were they valuing excellence in that meeting? Did I see so and so like valuing community. I don't know. How do you know what they so? Instead, you talk about them as behaviors because a behavior, it either somebody did it or they didn't. Either you saw it, you know, right? And so we have, for example, four core behaviors that uh, we've derived for Revel CPA. These are the ways that we show up for each other, the ways that we want to be. And 
honestly, you know, I'm happy to share them with you here now, but like, we don't even, uh, uh, put these outwardly on our website specifically because to me, the biggest indicator you can have of whether these core behaviors are alive in your organization Mm -hmm. is when you hear them come back at you without you ever putting the words in someone's mouth, right? Mm, when you yeah, yeah. hear from your customers, when you hear from the people you're engaging with, like, wow, you know, you all are just so passionate about learning and new, like picking up new ideas and sharing new things. It seems like you're always learning, always growing, right? And always growing is one of our four core behaviors because we as a team have decided that we want to value learning and growing and staying curious, right? And not like settling for the status quo. Mm -hmm. So that's one of them. Another one is that we're leading together. And that looks like being team first, right? We're all in it as a team. Every one of us is has the opportunity to step forward and lead. We go the extra mile for each other. We have high standards and we're, we're reliable for each other. So leading together is the second one. The third one is 100% you. So okay. this one is about staying real. Like if you are having a bad day, have a bad day. It's okay. We don't need to pretend right. uh, <laughs> exactly. when we go to work, like put on some face. Like No, just be real. Like be you. But also on days when you can, bring Bring the joy to work. Bring like be a light, a source of light to other people around you. Be have some energy. Be positive about what we're doing together because if we can bring that to the table, it just makes work so much more fun for everybody. Yeah, and then the fourth one is that we're socially conscious. Mm-hmm. And that's about being aware of what's happening in the world around us not being afraid to take a stand on issues and let people know how we feel about them. It's about being activists. It's about doing community service and community building. Um, And so we make it clear in the hiring process for us that, uh, you know, in that hiring process, we are asking questions that help us feel out where people stand on these things. And then we make it clear before they work with us that these are, uh, these are sort of our rules that we play by here. And yeah. if, you know, if you resonate with that, you're going to love it. If you aren't on board with this, um, then it's not going to be a good fit good ultimately. You. And yeah, it's definitely helped us um, uh, attract a lot of uh, candidates to work for positions. They They are responding to these behaviors, because they, they show up in different ways, like they show up in our website copy, they show up in social posts. And so when people are applying for jobs with us, they're coming to us because they identify with that stuff. You know, yeah. they're resonating. And so we get a team that's really tightly knit that believes in, in these things. Um, and likewise, with customers and clients, we're getting people who, who again, resonate with these ideas. And feel like not only like, yes, this is a company that does accounting and tax work and I need that. So let me hire them. But, you know, there's something else that happens. Um, There's like a little X factor, a little stickiness to the relationship that gets created when you are not only in a transactional kind of way supporting that business, but you actually like we're values aligned and you know, I'm in the same fight you are, and I, I want us both to succeed. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe I almost cut out the meat and potatoes. Like that is, <laughs> that's the juice of the, the, of the whole conversation, the four core behaviors. That's crazy. I love that. I love it. I love it because like you said, it has allowed you to attract those type of people that you want in the circle, right? As a team. And then also the clients and the customers like you. So basically to me, what, what I'm, taken from that Martin is like you because of the core behaviors right you mm-hmm. are identifying and attracting those types of people that, that that resonate and the people that don't you don't even have to interact with them at all which is perfect it's true and I think that's where especially in business a lot of folks get nervous 
yeah. a lot of a lot of companies will get in in a in this highly politicized world we live in. People feel like, man, you know, I'm if I do anything, I could piss off half of the country mm. if I say this. I don't, I don't know if I can afford to do. What if my clients? What if I? And all I can think is, man, it's it's a big world out there. There are so many businesses. Yeah. There are so many possible customers. And time and time again, when this happens and when this gets studied in businesses, big and small, even in big corporate environments, right? When people, when companies, I should say, take a stand and make it clear um, what they believe, which I, to me is important because of, you know, the quote that if you're not, if you're not, um, that if you're silent on an issue, you are taking the side of the oppressor, right? right yeah. Silence, in other words, is not the same as saying nothing. You are saying something pretty loud and clear. And so by taking a stand, by voicing your opinion about things, yes, you may push away some parts of uh, of your potential audience, but you will call in so right, many more. Yeah. Yeah. who get who get you and who've and and you get to be authentic then and people right, will vibe right. with that even more so it's right. like it's it's just a huge win it's a huge win the, it's it's the vibes for me <laughs> right it is all about yep. the vibes for me and i love that um and i just i'm gonna go a little bit further i know we're we're beyond or whatever but uh the core values give us some tips how, how do you go about creating those can you can you have five can you have ten like how did you come up with only just the four because those are excellent 10 is way too many. Uh, three to five, I think, is the ideal because you don't want them. You don't want them to be so many that anybody who works for your team can't just rattle them off like that. Right. right. You know, they, they got to know these inside and out. And eight or nine things is a lot to keep track of in a, in a given moment. So. <laughs> So I like having, you know, three to five, three is great. Four is okay. Five is maybe all right, but no more than that. And in terms of how you get them, I'll give you a, a little process uh, that folks can use with their team that tends to create really good result. The first thing you're going to do is uh, everybody's going to take out a sheet of paper. You're going to put down the names of uh, somewhere between five to eight people that were literally your favorite people you've ever worked with. Like if you could make up a dream team of coworkers that across any of the different businesses you've ever been at, any of the different industries you've been in, who are the people you enjoy working with the most? Right? You're going to write them down. Then you're going to write down four or five things about them, qualities about them or behaviors that you see them exhibit is even better four or five things for each person that reflect to you why it was so great to work with this person. Okay. So you're going to do that for all your people. Then on the other side of the paper, you're going to take, uh, you're going to make a list of, you got to do this privately. There's no one's going to see this, but it's okay. important you do it. You're also going to write down five to eight people that you would be happy to never work with again. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> these, are, these are those folks who like, you know, it was not great being on their team. And uh, and then you're going to list a few reasons why, like what were the behaviors they had? Maybe they, you know, maybe you like being part of a team and they were individualist. Um, maybe they weren't reliable or you couldn't count on them. What Whatever the reasons are. Right. All right. Then you take uh, all of the words under. The, the people you loved working with, take all those words, put it down on a on a board or on a sheet of paper or make post notes, put it on the wall, whatever you want to do. Then look at your list of people you don't like working with and do the opposite of those words. So whatever words you put down underneath the people you didn't like working with, if it was uh, like unreliable, then flip it and make it reliable. If it was, um, you know, they always had a bad attitude, just every day, always negative, negative, negative. Maybe flip it. It's positive attitude. Okay. Got it. So then you take all the, the flipped versions, the positive versions of that list. And now you should have a whole bunch of words. And it's great if you can do this with your team. 
right? Have everyone on the team do this privately, but then pull all the words together, throw them up on a wall, throw them up on a screen, on a sheet, and you will start to see like pockets of things that are repeating themes. And then you circle in on these themes and say, okay, I think there's something here. There's something here about, um, I'm pulling up the one that we did uh, earlier so I can see exactly the words we had. So we had, when we did this and came up with always growing uh, and always learning, we had, you know, supports learning, wants to share or teach. They're passionate about learning. They want to grow. They're knowledgeable. They coach the other people around them. They're curious, right? All these different words came up and we're like, okay, that's a, that idea is kind of a, like a always learning kind of idea. So you do this with your team. That way the team feels bought in. Uh, They feel like they've contributed to this process. And uh, that's a great way to come up with them. If you can, I did this just for the first time with this round of um, of behaviors. If you can boil it down to a phrase, and even better, bonus points if you can make it an emoji, oh, wow. which we <laughs> which That's now has had. So we use Slack to communicate with each other on the team because we're a remote team. So we're all on Slack, uh, you know, messaging back and forth throughout the day, and it's there's something really powerful about you know people are chatting back and forth and someone makes a comment and then someone else drops a little emoji tag on it because they saw someone else being 100% you and they drop that 100 and then we all know like okay we just gave we gave a shout out to that person gave them some credit for that so um so really behaviors and values, however you're going to refer to it in your organization, they, you know, this is the tool, the process that we recommend to getting there. And then once you have these things, it's, it's all about storytelling and it's all about looking for the moments where it's happening and, and just sharing the story about it, like reinforcing that with the team again and again, uh, helping them see like, okay, this is what socially conscious looks like in action. This is what leading together. So if you're having a, a team meeting every week, take a, take three minutes out of the meeting to just call out a couple things that you saw in the last week where you someone on your team was you know living that behavior. Um, they're going to feel good about it because they they will love the recognition. Your values will get reinforced. Uh, and I think as the leader of an organization and of a team, there's there's really almost no more important thing you can do than than to be messaging again and again and reinforcing these things about this is how we do things here. Yes, love it. Absolutely love it, Martin. And thank you so much for sharing that exercise. That's that is some that's some gold. That's good stuff there. Um, before we wrap. I still, I'm still pulling for that words of encouragement. I know you got a little bit more, so go ahead and drop that for us. And also for the listeners, like I said, uh, the people that may want to learn a little bit more about the services or connect with you guys on social, feel free to also drop the website and social media handles. Of course. Yeah. Um, my words of encouragement uh, will be, for all of you all, the the same that are literally my own, which um, which is that there's a opportunity that exists, especially with creative business owners, to change hearts and minds out there in the world in a way that I don't think exists in any other space. Mm. We can try to legislate change. We can... Um, we can try to impact our social circles, but storytelling, which is really the root of so many creative businesses, whether you're making movies or music or uh, you're a graphic designer, whatever you're doing, telling stories and doing creative work can ha- literally change people's hearts and minds in this country. And because that's the work that you all do, that's why I do what I do for you is because I get a lot of joy out of supporting that work and making that possible and helping you succeed. So 
take that opportunity. Uh, you can feel uh, both grateful for the privilege of being able to do it and then also feel the responsibility to do it. Uh, but there is a real gift in being able to uh, influence culture. And you can do that both within your organization in the way that we just talked about. Uh, and you can also be influencing culture in a broad way, in a really powerful way. So uh, keep at it. There's no wrong time to start. There's no too small way to start. Uh, and it's a great time. It's literally a great time in this country to be uh, going into business, to be exploring entrepreneurship. Um, if you want to access the course as a way to kind of get your feet grounded in some of the basics, uh, that course, you can drop your email in at revelcpa.com slash CBC. Uh, drop your email there and we'll get back to you with uh, that discount code. Um, we're online at revelcpa.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn at revelcpa. So feel free to hit us up and follow us there. We, we do share a good bit of information with our community videos and, and messages about things that are coming up as they happen. Last year, we did a lot of education around you know, EIDL loans, PPP, all that good stuff. Um, so if, if getting guidance around that kind of thing is helpful for you, uh, definitely check us out there and keep it up. We'll be, we'll be out here working for you and, and, uh, wishing you great success. All right. Thank you. You guys have heard from Martin Kaminsky, certified public accountant, founder, owner of Rebel CPA and, you know, you guys be sure to check him out and, and connect and follow. Um, Martin, this, thank you so much because you have kind of given above and beyond what I was expecting and anticipating. And I know the audience also appreciates it as well. So just want to say thank you for that. And uh, we appreciate you and looking forward to having you back on. So I will let you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Anytime. Sounds good. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.